Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The gates ready to go. Outkick 360 is live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us as we say welcome to the afternoon, gentlemen. A lot to discuss. Urban Meyer is fired in Jacksonville. Yes, he is. That is the big story coming out overnight, uh, late night, when Herb was informed that he is no longer the head coach of the Jacksonville Jags. And uh, I feel like the media world has rejoiced, very happy, thrilled uh, with this news of Urban Meyer being fired. What a glorious run, run it was. <laughs> uh, it's been classified as maybe one of the worst in history. I think um, ESPN winner uh, Lewis Riddick, I think, called it the worst leadership uh, tenure he, he can recall. Uh, he's getting hit from all sides. Uh, look, I know Dan Dockage is friends with him and loves him, but I, I, I think we're all on the same side of here. It was, it was a disaster from the beginning. I, I was among those who said I didn't think it would work when, when he was hired. Um, you know, people are making jokes too. Hut, you stepped out of the room, but oh, think about his family. They have to spend time with him now. <laughs> and, uh, how tragic! How tragic that is. Yeah, uh, it, it was just a complete disaster. For Urban Meyer in, in Jacksonville, uh, with all the off-season storylines uh, galore, uh, in-season storylines, um, he, he had too big of an ego to adjust to the NFL. That's what this came down to. And for whatever reason, uh, he was completely disconnected with everything in Jacksonville. That's the biggest difference from Urban Meyer with the Jags and Urban Meyer with Ohio State or Florida is he had a connection and a pulse with what was going on at both of those teams and both of those programs. He had nothing working for him in Jacksonville. I mean, rookie quarterback that was getting worse, not better as the season progressed, and that's just what was going on on the field. Um, Trevor Lawrence has thrown one touchdown pass over his last six games. They're running a draw play on third down and long in the first half against the Tennessee Titans this past week. I mean, it's just awful all the way around, even with the results on the field. Despite being a bad team, they were lifeless and leaderless in many ways. Uh, where reports are, after practice yesterday, he left the facility and did not return. Uh, Mark Long from the Associated Press was reporting that Trevor Lawrence met with Shad Khan on his yacht on Tuesday. I'd love to know what that conversation was about. And good for Shad Khan, who went to his franchise quarterback and asked him what was going on. Trevor Lawrence, uh, who is standing in front of the podium uh, either today or yesterday, and, and said, look, there, there's a, a plenty of time and, and, and reason to be completely honest. I have to be careful with what I say. But the distractions off the field have to stop. And it's not coming from the players. It's coming from their head coach week after week after week. And head coaches around the league work really hard 
to minimize distractions, to eliminate distractions, to make sure they don't happen. When the head coach is the distraction, that's a problem. Kevin Clark of The Ringer, friend of the show, uh, had a piece yesterday. I wrote about what should be the last days of Urban Meyer. He retweeted it this morning, said, well, that was fast. <laughs> um, and I thought one of the best things he had in there, and, and we've, we've hit on this, but he shaped it. He said, in the piece, he said, last January, while talking about upgrading facilities, Meyer said, the Jacksonville players are going to get pushed. In return, we will give them the very best. That includes the coaching staff. Number one, the coaching staff. And in this latest story, he was berating the coaching staff about how bad his staff was. It's That's a huge contradiction in the span of 14 regular season weeks plus two pre, uh, three preseason weeks where he was apparently panicking over how bad they were in the preseason, which is another disconnect that he doesn't get that it's okay to be bad in the preseason. You just need to be setting a course for some things. Paul, your good friend, uh, the late and great Al Davis, uh, once said, don't adjust, dominate, uh, when you ask for his advice. Urban Meyer came to the NFL with the mindset of, I am not adjusting, the NFL will adjust to the great Urban Meyer. And this league will have to adjust to my way and my system. And he came in with that attitude, and if it would have worked, he would have looked like the genius to end all geniuses. Instead, it backfired royally, and uh, a guy with... uh, not that every coach in the NFL doesn't have an ego, but this guy's ego got in his way far too often. He didn't have the humility to explain what he didn't know, uh, to get the right people around him to instruct him in what he doesn't know about the NFL, about NFL players, about the NFL system. And instead, he came in with this hard-charging, I'm Urban Meyer, I've done it this way, I've done it my way my entire career, everyone's going to bend to my will, and we're going to get this thing done here. And that leads to, you know, you uh, maybe kicking a kicker uh, in stretch after a preseason misses uh, field goals. And that was ultimately his demise. I'll say it again. I don't buy the the full he kicked the kicker story. I think it was probably a poor attempt at humor where he was messing with him and he didn't take it very well. And this led to some other problems. But obviously, Urban Meyer, if you had a checkbox, a, a, a checklist of everything that you could do wrong in that position as a head coach. He did most everything wrong. That- and, and Hutton, you hit on it to start. The devolving of Trevor Lawrence's game as the season has gone on Number and the dysfunction thing. of that offense where I watch them, I don't even know what they're attempting to do. It looks like it's incoherent offensively. That can't continue when you've got possibly a generational-type talent at quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and ultimately, that's why Jacksonville had to make the move. That kicker story is the final straw, true or not, and and it's old. This guy just chose to come out and say it kind of in the context of all this stuff that's going on, an evergreen story, if you will, with the timing of it on top of this other stuff served to be the Well, they were headed this way. It. Normally, it's happening right after the game, right? right? Um, so you're right, the... the, the all of these things mounted. It was just whatever's next was going to do yeah. them in, and that turned out to be next. Yeah, there was some. There's probably something else that would come out today. You know, tomorrow. Yeah. Well, You're it, right. Because it's a never-ending story here. Shot Khan called the hire of Urban Meyer and the draft of Trevor Lawrence as a transformational moment for their franchise. And whenever he releases the statement last night, uh, which was odd timing, like yeah, midnight. Well, I mean, the report came out like one thirty-four. Yeah. 
Is he here or is he in London? He's here. He's currently here. Okay. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he was in Nashville this weekend. Job. Well, I was trying to think about it because I'm immediately thinking, was that early in the morning? You know, that would be like 6 a.m. Yeah. in London. Was he waking up first thing there and firing him, or was this just late at night in Jacksonville? So he, he, he said he was bitterly disappointed was the way he phrased it. And I can only imagine. I mean, after you land the coach that you've been begging to show up and coach your Do team something different. with the number one overall pick that was the highly touted number one pick uh, compared to like Andrew Luck, where everyone knew that Andrew Luck was going to go number one to whoever held that selection. It was the Colts. We knew that whoever had the number one pick, they were going to get Trevor Lawrence 15, 17 months prior to the draft. And the, the Jags held that, and they also landed Urban Meyer, and then Urban came in there, and there was just a complete disconnect with pressure, everything. Pressure there reports, on this hire is massive. Man. Reports last night, and I'll, I'll give credit in a moment because I took a screenshot of this, that the, the assistant coaches, nearly all of them, uh, this is from Benjamin Albright, there were Jags coaches talking about a mass exodus and a walkout after the season. Several had already secretly, and some not, already had other jobs lined up. I would have loved to have seen that. I, I would have liked them stick around just to have seen that. A staff walk out on a coach. I mean, that would have been something to behold. But if it, no, no, those guys are under contract, though. You can't, can't do it. Right. And, and, and the idea of, well, Shad Khan's statement earlier this week about Urban Meyer, you could pick and choose how you wanted to frame it from the tone of the words, right, as we read it through. And you're trying to figure out, okay, does this mean he's sticking around? They're not going to make a change in season? Well, just based on all the things that have surfaced, I, I mean, from anyone working in the cafeteria at, at their facility to the star quarterback has nothing good to say about their head coach. Nothing. I mean, at, it, at some point, the owner has to look at that and think, yeah, this is, this is the direction we have to go and we have to make the decision right now, no matter if it's a Thursday morning of game week. Well, and here's... This is the sad reality for everyone that's doing backflips over Urban Meyer losing his job in the NFL that thinks this is a, a high holy day because Urban Meyer lost his job. The joke's on the Jacksonville Jaguars. The, the joke's not on Urban Meyer, ultimately. Is his reputation dented? Of course. Is he ever going to get another sniff at an NFL job? No. Is some he college job going to hire him? Yes. And, and people saying it's going to be a low-level college job? No. <laughs> there will be high-level college jobs that t- want to talk to Urban Meyer in the next hiring cycle, if he still wants to coach. And here's the real thing that will... This is what drives me crazy about all this. They owe Urban Meyer $40 million. Now, he could get all of that. He could get none of that. He'll get There's going to be it's lawyers involved in this. They're going to argue it's, it's with cause. I think that the, the beginning of the argument is probably going to be, we're not paying you a dime. And then you know, Urban's attorney says, no, you owe us all this. And they're not... I don't think it's going to be in the middle. I think it's going to be more of a five to ten million dollar buyout of the contract to just walk away and not, you know, wrap this up with lawyers for too long. But let's say it's ten million. Urban Meyer is getting ten million dollars for less than a year's worth of work. Plus, what he's already made. where he did nothing but further embarrass the Jacksonville organization. It's already synonymous with losing. They took a big swing on a guy that they tried to lure to the NFL for years. They finally get him, and he just drags the entire city and organization down. And he's going to get paid handsomely for that. that. That's where the unfair part of this comes out. Look, it's the, it's the world of coaching. It's the world of contracts. 
But I really don't want to sit here and, and you know hear about, let's think about the families here. His family's going to be just no, that's fine. that's a gag. It could have had Arthur Smith if, uh, you know, if they It's not it a gag different. with some people that... No, I know. It could look, have had, his, look at what his family's tweeting today. Could have had Eric Bieniemy, who didn't wind up with a job, and he was one of the guys. I can't remember another. Eric Bieniemy should interview better, apparently. Yeah. He's had plenty of interviews. But, I mean, he wasn't going to outdo Urban Meyer. No. Um, but these are guys who were candidates there who he... He got the job over. They need a, a home run, as they have needed, with with the coaches that that they've had, who haven't panned out, but also haven't been glamorous. Uh, they don't need glamorous. They they need somebody who's a good football coach who can develop this quarterback, or would have a coordinator who would develop this quarterback. And it's not going to be the most attractive job on the on the list. Because it's not that attractive job because they don't have any culture of winning there. But again, you know, if you're a coach coming in and you're confident about your abilities with a quarterback, all these jobs are going to be losing jobs right now. And the one thing you're going to look at is where do I stand at quarterback? And you're going to look at Trevor Lawrence and say that job is pretty good with the Trevor Lawrence part of that job. This is something that Hutton, you've harped on for years uh, on our uh, on our shows together. Uh, it's easy, it's easy and quick to get to the middle of the NFL from the bottom. I, I don't think this is a job someone's coming into that they're going to go two and fourteen next year. No, getting to the middle there, you'll be treated like a hero. Exactly, competent coaching. They've got some players on go this nine roster. Nine and eight there. Well, even I mean six and eleven. A year from now looks oh, like a huge yeah. step up. I mean, to just get to that point, and it's not impossible to do, especially if you believe in Trevor Lawrence, which I think anyone who's going to want that job and, and want to take that job that makes it more desirable is the fact that Trevor Lawrence is there, and that's going to be a big help. You know, Billy Donovan, who was at Florida with Urban Meyer, went to the pros and had success in the NBA, and he told Urban Meyer, because Urban Meyer would talk about this all the time, that the advice that Billy gave him was uh, – don't underestimate the intelligence of the NFL or professional athlete because they're going to judge you and measure you on everything you say and everything you do. And it doesn't sound like Urban Meyer really took that, took that to heart. Or, no, period. he didn't. And, he thought he was above it. And he thought that a college resume carried some gravitas, gravitas in an NFL meeting room. And it doesn't. They don't care that you did big things at Ohio State or at Florida. It's, it's all about the league once you're in the league and you've got to win your stripes in the league. Show them that you can do things in the league. Win the room in the league. Show them a game plan in the league, a scheme, a culture change, all of that. Your stripes from the minors, so to speak, don't, don't mean anything. Half of those guys did great things in college too, and they're getting cut. On cut down day. Well, you got to swallow your pride. I mean that that's the, that's the key to success for great college coaches wanting to make the jump to to pro sports is you got to have a little bit of humility and swallow your pride at times, knowing that these are highly paid professionals that I'm coaching, and it's not like college. When was the last time Urban Meyer had to swallow his pride about anything? Not since he took a head coaching job at Bowling Green in the late '90s, early 2000s, has he had to swallow his pride once. He has gone straight up the ladder the entire time. The moment things got tough at Florida, he faked a medical episode and got out of that job. He set out. He got paid a bunch of money to go on TV. Didn't have to swallow his pride once. Walks right into Ohio State, one of the three best jobs in America. 
wins a national title then. Steps right away from there when things start getting tough. Goes to television, gets highly paid. He gets courted by a billionaire to go coach in the NFL. This is a humbling experience now for Urban Meyer. Probably the first time he's been humbled since he had to actually work for someone on someone's staff. And that's just the truth of it. This, this isn't me saying that I hate Urban Meyer. Or anything. That's just the truth. He's not had to swallow his pride once in his career since he was an assistant on someone else's staff. That, that's probably going to have to happen now or he just fades into the ether with all of his money and, and steps out of the public spotlight for a while. And look, I wouldn't put it past Shad Khan. Um, they're about to play Houston and the Jets, two of the other four worst teams in the league. This team rally around Daryl Bevel and win those two games? Guy could get himself a head coaching job. I'm not saying it's what should happen, but that, that's the kind of thing that happens in Jacksonville. Shad Khan, though, is worth $8.7 billion. Um, the contract is chump change to him. He'll pay that, yeah, that buy and he'll go and, and try to land uh, the, the next big money hire. But the right coach is out there for them, and they have a young nucleus of talent, some that's on IR. Travis Etienne comes to mind. Uh, another thing that we should bring up for an Urban Meyer used a first round pick on Travis Etienne and wanted to make him a receiver. Uh, and he had James Robinson. He had James Robinson. He didn't want to run the ball with. Nonetheless, uh, we'll hit some other uh, avenues of the Urban Meyer saga in Jacksonville. Compare it to some of the worst hires in NFL history. That's a little bit later. When we come back, Trey Wallace joins us. College football headlines, recruiting headlines with signing day yesterday across the Southeastern Conference and much more. It's all next on Outkick 360. First, though, Aurora Nutriscience, our trusted partner, keeping us healthy, our mind right, mentally sharp. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. You're seeing VitaLifeScience.com right now, V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com. It's where you can see more information. Our Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% off discount at, at the website with the code Outkick 360, VitalLifeScience.com. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. Here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, simple single-use packets, grab-and-go in the morning, take them with you throughout the day. Aurora, absorbed in the bloodstream through the GI tract. It ensures it's not wasted like a capsule or pill. VitaLifeScience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. VitaLifeScience.com. OutKick360 rolls on. Signing day yesterday. A lot of SEC news and notes. Quarterbacks staying, quarterbacks on the move. We'll get into Miles Brennan staying at LSU uh, and, and playing for Brian Kelly. We'll get into Spencer Rattler uh, transferring to South Carolina. And we'll recap National Signing Day right now with Trey Wallace of Outkick.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Trey, hope you're doing well this afternoon. Guys, doing good. Uh, it was kind of a long night. For some reason, I was up at 1 o'clock this morning, so when the Urban News dropped, I was like, oh, okay, I might as well might as well jump into a Twitter space or two and talk about it with them. Good for you. I'm fascinated by this piece you wrote about uh, Jay Sean Barham, uh, yes. who, who set up Shane Beamer for, for a fall. And uh, I'm curious if you recall any 
anybody doing anything like this where he gave Beamer his word that he's committing and uh, and then Beamer gets word 10 minutes later that it's a setup because the kid's going to uh, make an event out of backing out of this <laughs> to commit somewhere else. Paul, I mean, we, we hear stories about it, but we don't hear them where, okay, somebody calls, you know, somebody, so what happened? Somebody committed to, to Shane Beamer, a four-star linebacker, and this was on Saturday. And then 10 minutes after the commitment that he got over the phone, somebody calls Shane Beamer and says, hey, look, this is actually like a plan. They're doing this. They're going to decommit or they're going to flip and make it look big and sign with Maryland uh, on Wednesday, which is what happened. I mean, Shane Beamer even talked about he was on the phone with the family last night to like 10 30, 11 o'clock. But the whole time this kid was going to Maryland and, you know, uh, I was talking to somebody about this and they were like, okay, do you think that this guy was like trying to get more when it comes to NIL deals potentially? I was like, yeah, absolutely. I think there was a way to plant the teams together against each other. So Shane Beamer doesn't care. He just calls him out on it today and uh, or yesterday. And I was like, okay, you know, that's one way of going about it. And, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes I, I, think it's, I think it's right sometimes to hear these type of stories because it goes both ways. It's not just the coaches. It's the players as well using these universities. So, Trey, when you hear Lane Kiffin uh, say that, he really hopes that all these kids yeah, get all the money good. they're promised. Uh, that, that that's one of the reasons they struggled a little bit in recruiting. That you know, no contracts were signed. I just hope all these kids get all the money <laughs> promised them in NIL. Do you find it funny from Lane Kiffin, whiny of Lane Kiffin, or both funny and whiny of Lane Kiffin? It's weird, Chad, because he got up there and, and man, he's he's talking like he's in church, like he's up there and he's he's quietly talking at the podium when, you know, like right outside that room, he's, you know, energy galore and yeah, very uh, defeated. You know, he, he sounded very defeated on national signing. Yeah, day. it was it was weird. Like, but he's been doing that for the last couple of weeks. And I'm like, why is he all of a sudden made this turn to be some like calm dude? Like, I'm not quite understanding this with Lane Kiffin. And then he comes out and he doubled down yesterday when talking about it. And and he started saying that, hey, look, um, you know, I hope these players are, are getting paid what they're being promised. And I'm like, okay, man, let's be real here. You know, you've been doing this without NIL ever since you became a college football head coach. So how are you going to come back and double it back now and talking about NIL at the same time? Because I know people – I know people at Ole Miss, and I know the, the the people that are putting together NIL type of deals for, for certain players. I mean, it's going on in Oxford. It's going on everywhere on these college campuses. So I think he was a little agitated that he, yeah, to your point, Chad, that he got beat out on some of these recruits. And you know what? He decided to say something about it compared to Josh Heupel or Kirby Smart or whatnot talking about, hey, look, it's the world we live in now. It's a mess, but we're living in this mess. Lane Kiffin, kind of, kind of interesting that he comes off as his little whining yesterday and Monday. So the way Tennessee closed in recruiting yesterday, and Josh Heupel, really his first year recruiting, this is his first big class where he's had a chance uh, with players. Talking to Tennessee people, Trey, does that – does that alleviate some of the questions about Josh Heupel in recruiting? Where do Tennessee people stand on what he was able to do with this this first recruiting class? 
you know, they went into Wednesday morning like, oh, man, you know, we're going to have a rank 20 to 25th class and we're going to miss out on some folks. And then all of a sudden, bam, you know, you start off with Williams in the morning at running back. Uh, you get West, you know, you get Pierce off the edges, Tyree West and Pierce off the edge. And and I think that it it kind of shocked some folks a little bit um, because Tennessee did well outside of the state. And Josh Heupel made a really good point about this. You know, all the scuttlebutt and everything that was going on over the last 10 and a half, 10 and a half months, where is that going to get talked about the most? It's going to get talked about the yep. most in Knoxville and Nashville and Memphis, high schools like that. Now, you know, in, in Georgia, you know, if you go to Colquitt County and you really asked them what's going on with Tennessee and Georgia, they'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about or have barely heard it. So I think it hurt him when it came to the state of Tennessee. I, I really do. Um, that's not an excuse, but it's just reality. When you have all of that hanging over your head uh, and you're trying to recruit this state, it is very difficult because a lot of people talk in the state and everybody knows what's going on. So when you get down to it at the last minute, you're like, okay, you know, you try to get into some of these relationships where they're like, nah, we're good. We appreciate it. Good luck to you and, and moving on down the road. But I, I look at what Josh Heupel did outside of the state. I think it's huge. Uh, I, I think for them to be cur- currently right now, they're on 247 or at Rivals, they're either ranked 10th or they're either ranked uh, to 13th. Either way, you end up in that spot. That is a huge win for this staff. And everything that they have done to get to that point, to land those three solid players yesterday, to wrap up the signing class, I think it's big for them going forward. And I think it lays a foundation of what they're trying to do at Tennessee. Because, you know, I heard you say it yesterday. There's not an offensive player in the state of Tennessee that shouldn't want to be a part of Josh Heupel's offense because they're they're going to touch the ball, whether that's receiver, you know, tight ends are going to get more involved, running backs. You know, I, I just think that, that Tennessee is going to go out in this state this year and, and try to put an exclamation point or at least, you know, try to get things going in the right direction when it comes to the high schools across school in 2023. Vanderbilt, an impressive 37th when you wrote Wednesday evening uh, and not doing it with five and four stars, but with volume of three stars, which seems like uh, a smart way to go if they can develop people the way you would think that Clark Lee and his staff could develop people. And also, they're not, they don't have a lot to sell. Um, what'd you think of what they put together? And they finished ahead of Florida in recruiting rankings. How about that? Well, way ahead of Florida in the rankings. And I think Florida, yeah, Florida landed a five star that night, yeah. uh, Wednesday night. The, the days get all wrapped up. Um, and they jumped to, I think it was 60, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 50 or 60. I'm trying to forget it. Right. Yeah, 50, 50 is what piece. I see at the, the compliance. Right, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. So they jumped at 50. Florida did after landing the five-star. But here's the thing about Vanderbilt. They just loaded up on three stars, and they loaded up with talent. There were players in there. Uh, Agu, whose Tennessee was going after, defensive end, the type of player that, that would fit well with what Rodney Garner was type of doing, trying to do. He stays in Nashville. He's committed to Clark Lee and what they're building. I, I think the allure of Nashville benefits Vanderbilt a lot in a sense of you get some players 
that are from the South or maybe not from the South. Maybe you get outside that realm a little bit. They've heard about Nashville. They want to go play, you know, for a school in Nashville. Um, I think, you know, if kids follow the NFL, I think the Titans help out because Nashville's right there uh, every weekend as they come in for that nice shot. What are we looking at? Right over Nissan Stadium, right into Nashville. I think the vision of the future also helped Clark Lee with what they're doing when it comes to facilities uh, and how they're going to try to enhance that stadium and how they're going to try to build new locker rooms and, and weight centers and whatnot. Look, it's not, it's not, Paul, it's not like it's going to happen in the next, you know, two years and all of a sudden just going to have, bam, buildings. But there's a vision that Clark Lee is building, and I, and I thought he did a damn good job for a team that went 2-10 and 10 this year. Trey Wallace with us, senior SEC writer uh, for OutKick.com. Trey, bigger impact immediately for their program. Miles Brennan electing to stay at LSU with Brian Kelly or Spencer Rattler transferring to South Carolina with Shane Beamer? Mm, you got me on that one. I would, I would have to go with Spencer Rattler just because we because we know right what Miles Brennan, can, <laughs> we know what Miles Brennan can do with LSU. We've seen it. Like so, you know it it it's kind of like okay, you're just running it back again. You're doing the same thing, you know, with LSU. Um, I think with South Carolina, it's completely different. You know, when when Beamer landed Austin Stogner, the tight end, and then he lands Spencer Rattler, you're like, oh, okay, all right, that's shock value right there. And you want that in recruiting. You want shock value. But also on the field, uh, Jason Brown, the quarterback that got him through the last month, who knocked off Auburn, who knocked off Florida, he's transferring out of the program. Uh, Zeb Nolan, that wonderful story that was there, that's done. Um, and Luke Dottie is the other guy that's still there. So, I mean, you, you've, you've got Spencer to come in, and I get the stories out at Oklahoma. I do, I, I, I've read them, and, and I've looked into them and whatnot. But, man, you know, you, you come into a new school, fresh start, a coach that you already know, and Shane Beamer, and you can come in and run that type of offense that they're going to run next year um, where the quarterback is going to scramble a lot. I think it's a win-win for South Carolina and and Shane Beamer uh, getting Spencer, also Spencer bringing his boy with him. Um, And and then on the flip side of that, the LSU deal, Miles Brennan is a good quarterback, but they've got other talent as well at that position. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Really what it comes down to is you got a veteran to come back and he's going to be your lifeline in the program if you need it. So, Trey, you know that I love to go in the world of hypotheticals uh, with, with college yes. football. And uh, I've, I've got one here for you. So, Tom Brady yeah. has got a new fashion line coming out called Brady in all caps. All right. He wow. signed nine athletes reported today to NIL deals to model his, his fashion. One of them is Cade McNamara, the quarterback at his alma mater at Michigan. This only makes sense. This is a great move for both. But in the world of NIL... If you are Tom Brady and you get a call from Jim Harbaugh and say, we've got a five-star quarterback that we want to come to Michigan and he is going to be a household name, we want you to partner with him with your Brady apparel, talk to him on the phone and offer him an NIL deal to come to Michigan. And then you get Peyton Manning with Omaha Productions that can also come in to the same five-star quarterback, let's say it's Arch Manning, and say, we are going to do a documentary with you that's going to air on ESPN Plus, and we are going to pay you through Omaha Productions to be a part of this if you go to Tennessee and play quarterback. He wouldn't do that to his nephew, but you see where I'm going with this. The fact yeah. that these celebrity quarterbacks, former quarterbacks, athletes, 
if they start their own businesses, what they could do possibly to help their alma mater. Jordan at UNC. I think the possibilities are endless. That's a great basketball example. It goes on and on and on. And I know Brady signed tennis players and a golfer and different sports and different things like that. But what do you think about those possibilities, starting with what Tom Brady's doing? Well, I think it's, I mean, I think first off, I think it's smart. Um, you, you see other schools around the country where their booster programs are putting together money to go towards, you know, uh, specific position groups um, or certain players um, and, and having a huge fund to use. I think it's big for Brady because it, 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 when you're, when you're associated with that Michigan culture, okay. And that brand, and you always, I mean, what do we hear every single draft? Okay. What do we see? Tom Brady at Michigan and his unclothed mug right there on TV. Um, Brady is all over. And a lot, you know, a lot of these young kids, they get reminded all the time about his time at Michigan because of his story and, and, and where he was drafted. I think it's huge for the alumni like Tom Brady to come in and want to be a part of the university. I imagine the university was like, hey, look, we'd love to partner with you on this. We think it would be great to, you know, for student athletes and, you know, and, and also when it comes to NIL and representing your brand. Um, I think that's the way things should go. You brought up Peyton Manning. Okay. Well, if I'm a five star or something along those lines, I reach out, you know, if I'm Tennessee, I can't, well, you can't do it if you're Tennessee, but let's just take Spire Sports Group, uh, who's doing stuff with Tennessee. Um, hey, do you want to come and be a marketing person for the Graduate Hotel or Peyton Manning Saloon on, on Cumberland Avenue? And here's the amount of money we're going to pay you. You got to make these many appearances and you got to wear this gear, blah, blah, blah. That's easy right there. That is an easy way to get people involved at Tennessee when it comes to athletes. And it doesn't just have to be football. You can broaden that out to be basketball, women's basketball, track and field, whatnot. It doesn't matter. But there are opportunities, and that's an opportunity I think of when it comes to Tennessee, his saloon that he has and the hotel that he's part owner in here in town. Um, that you know, So I look at it overall. I think when you have high-profile athletes – and also another thing, too, there's a way that you can just, like you just talked about, set up a business and start selling some product, and all of a sudden that ties right back into NIL and athletes. Like, it's not like the player, you know, has to be a billionaire to make this happen. It's all about just getting the ball rolling, putting your name on something, and having those players involved and being a part of commercials and whatnot and going forward. I, I think it's, I think it would be very smart. Um, there, You know, Netflix. Netflix is currently, I'm not, I'm not going to name who it is right now, but Netflix is currently talking to two or three players in college football and hoping they can get involved when it comes to documentary type wow. uh, deals and following them along. Um, so you look at the, and that's just, that's just a small piece of it though, Chad, like a very small piece. So, you know, I, I look at things overall. I think these schools are going to find ways to find money when it comes to NIL these boosters are going to do it, and they're going to lean on their alumni to help. Trey Wallace, Outkick.com is where you can read his great work. Uh, he and Glenn Gilbo doing excellent uh, work covering the SEC for the site. Trey, as always, we appreciate you, man, and we'll catch up soon. Thank yeah, you. guys, y'all have a great week. Look forward to y'all's get-together next weekend at, at 6 and Peabody for the Tennessee Music City Bowl game, and then uh, we'll have coverage from Miami 
uh, leading up to the semifinals. So thanks for having me, guys. Have a wonderful day. You got it. Thank you. Trey Wallace there. Uh, and he, he referenced the uh, pregame party we have going on two weeks from today, actually. 11.30 to 1 o'clock will be the live stream that we're doing, a special live stream here at 6th and Peabody uh, surrounding the Transperfect Music City Bowl with Tennessee and Purdue. Uh, but you can join us throughout the entire day because we're, we'll have a special live stream at 11.30. We will still have Outkick 360 that afternoon, 2 to 5 Central. And, of course, right across the river from us is where they'll kick off the Music City Bowl between Tennessee and Purdue. That is going to be a fun day and evening and night here at 6th and Peabody for sure. It's going to be a blast. Uh, come hang out with us if you're going to the game. If you're not going to the game, you want a cool spot to come watch the game, come join us here at 6th and Peabody. Trey brings up Netflix, working out deals, NIL with athletes, and this is where how my mind works. I immediately go to look at Ted Sarandos and see where he went to college yep. to see if he can possibly help his alma mater or if he cares about football. And I see that Ted Sarandos went to Glendale Community College. Yep having grown up in uh, Phoenix. So I don't think that he's going to be doing this simply to try to pump pump someone to his alma mater. I don't doubt that they find the right kids, but they got to find the right kids because you got to be interesting. Also, I heard a rumor uh, that Music City Bowl is not going to be over by the time we're off the air. But if uh, UT is winning by enough, that Chad will uh, douse himself in orange moonshine (laughs) as we go off the air. Uh, you can join us all day on the 30th. Join us here anytime at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We will have that big orange moonshine on display and ready for uh, you on the 30th for game day. Tonight, uh, game night for Chiefs and Chargers. That will big kick one. off NFL Week 15. Two games on Saturday, 13 other games on Sunday and Monday. One big thing on every Week 15 NFL game next on Outkick 360. The NFL has adjusted the COVID-19 protocols effective immediately. Uh, Meetings will be remote or outdoors, and they'll have to mask inside the facility or around the team, uh, whether they're vaccinated or not. However, uh, they have changed their return-to-play protocols. You don't have to wait and test negative uh, twice over a 24-48 hour period. Now it's just two negative tests at any point, and you can take up to three tests per day after your COVID-19 positive. So remote, they're sending people home, or are they spreading them out around their building? Well, it's, it, there's a number of things in this new policy. It's, the way, uh, I'll, I'll read it. Uh, just a quick statement, Chad. Um, Throughout the pandemic, we have continuously evolved our protocols to meet our goal of advancing the safety of the players, coaches, and staff. The changes we are making today aim to address the increase in cases Uh, with the Omicron variant. Effective immediately, all clubs will implement preventative measures that have proven effective. Masking regardless of vaccination status, remote or outdoor meetings. I don't know how you take that. I take that as Zoom, remote. Yeah. Eliminating in-person meals, so you're not going to sit with a player at a cafeteria any longer. No outside visitors while on team travel, which is last year's policy that they're going to. But you can return sooner, which means the relaxed rules on return to play tell you that whatever they're doing here doesn't to me it's very contradictory of of what they're what they're saying with the protocols in place basically it's the league saying i said yesterday i wish some league would just say we're just going to stop testing altogether instead of doing that this is the league saying we really don't care about the positive test and we want to do everything possible to get players eligible to play quicker if they're vaccinated with a positive test but in doing so 
we're going to go back to 2020 level protocols of masking, of outdoor meetings, of no, I saw no workouts of 15 or more players at a time. Yeah, it's, it's basically last room. year's It's all deal. of those protocols coming back. And here's another issue. But you can having. return in less than 10 days. Now, I'm curious about the logistics, though, because if, you're, if, if they want to send you away to do the Zoom meeting, but you're at the facility for practice and for weight, weightlifting sessions, then you're doing a lot of driving back and forth which is an irritant to players, to coaches. Yeah. To, I mean, to it's everybody. all irritating, and, and not much of it makes a lot of sense. Here's something else we're seeing happening now. A lot of college basketball games are getting canceled. Uh, Mick Cronin at UCLA tested positive. They, they canceled their game against Alabama State an hour before tip-off last night. There's been a Seton Hall game canceled, and now news from Jeff Goodman. Ohio State's game against Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic on Saturday has been canceled due to COVID-19 results within the Buckeye basketball program. The game scheduled to be played in Las Vegas will not be rescheduled. We've got a big we're game here a just rash. a couple blocks away on Saturday. Yeah, we're seeing a rash of cancellations in college basketball. Also, getting a lot of writers saying, feels an awful lot like March 2020 right now with what's going on in college basketball with the number of cancellations we're seeing. Yeah, but the difference with that is they're, they're going to allow players to play if they're asymptomatic now well, the NFL as compared is. to March. The, the, this variant is not is is much milder form of the coronavirus, which should be a factor. Here's the think. here's yeah. the clarification. Um, should be Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. The key here is the individual must be asymptomatic, as the majority of the players who tested positive the past few days have been. Return is possible as soon as the day after the initial positive test. And going back into the yes. details, it's very technical on on this return to play. Uh, but it says in here that you, a maximum of three tests per day, you need back-to-back negative tests, and that can happen the day after you test positive, as I read this. Uh, Pelissero goes on to say, fully vaccinated individuals will continue to test weekly, unvaccinated individuals daily. There's no change to that. They were doing that anyway. The NFL's memo also says there's likely going to be a reduction in the number of people allowed in Tier 1, Tier 2, etc., which happened towards the end of last season as well. So they're going to monitor this and then add that on if they so choose. Okay, but let's interpret this together. So if you're a vaccinated player being tested once a week, you test positive on your Monday. I guess. You can yeah. test on Tuesday yes. as many as three times to get your two negatives. Do it again and Wednesday. And you can be back on Wednesday. Yeah, or you can test three times on Wednesday after your three tests. Right. You so don't you get could it test, done on Tuesday. You can test up to three times a, a day until you get your two negatives. And then return and then the, you're next back the next day. Yeah. So, so you can test you positive on Monday, get two negatives on Tuesday, be at practice on Wednesday. That's how I read this because yeah. it, it says you can have a maximum of three tests taken per day. Or and keep that's testing three times a day until Thursday negative. when you get the two negatives and return on Friday. But here's the thing. Uh, you mentioned this yesterday. Uh, and we'll use Mike Vrabel as an example. Mike Vrabel was vaccinated for sure. Got it. Now, this wasn't the new variant. Right. It was probably just regular coronavirus. And he couldn't test out and missed all 10 days. So I don't think there's a high percentage of guys who are testing positive, even asymptomatic, 
who are quickly testing negative again and getting back in. No, we haven't in. seen that. So I don't know that the, getting are, all of these chances maybe increases your chances of, of getting back but in. They, they've, now, but I don't know that it's happening that frequently that once you hit positive, well, here, you're getting negative. But the, again, it's a very technical. What I was referring to in the three tests is option three. There's option one where you can have a cycle threshold. I don't know what this is. Right. You can have a cycle threshold, a negative test, or produce a cycle threshold values of 35 or greater. So, so if you have that 35 level. or greater, but yet you don't have a negative result, that still counts as a negative test based on your cycle threshold. Some kind of Again, level um, beyond our understanding. That, I, I need someone to break this down for me because they've, they've gone through and they have three different options on how you can test out of this. And the most easy one to understand is you can take up to three tests per day. If you have two negative tests back to back, no matter if that's 24 hours after your positive test or 72 hours after you're back. I'm just saying be cautious right now on your optimism because while it sounds like, oh, well, guys will just uh, they test positive, they'll test negative quickly and they'll be back, the evidence from what we know is that guys who have tested positive, even vaccinated guys, that haven't quickly tested negative to get back in. A lot of them, in fact, have stayed out 10 days and not tested back in, including Mike, Mike Vrabel, some of his assistants, and, and the like. We'll go through NFL Week 15 when we return and more headlines on Outkick 360.